This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of The Crown Cast. And I'm going to shut up because we have more important people to talk today. And one yeah. of those more important people is Justin. Hello, Justin. That's right. He finally acknowledged it. And the most important pe- people, the most important yes. people, yes, the most important person is Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, so, Nick, you are a player for Charlotte FC. I am, yes. And now also a player for the Crown Legacy. Mm-hmm. And we are super fortunate to get you on here. So thank you for spending some time with us. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. It's a nice day out. So, so what we're going to do is we are going to take you from never having been a part of this to throwing you directly in the deep end. So congratulations, sink or swim, Nick Cardina. Uh, we bring people onto this podcast, and we make them one of us by asking them to give out a crown to their fellow players. Now, we're going to talk uh, about Charlotte FC versus New York Red Bulls first, okay? and you're kind of going to be a part of that with us. But first, we'd like uh, to ask you, who do you think deserves a crown from Charlotte FC, please, not the New York Red Bull team? There's uh, no one on New York who deserved a crown. No, Justin, one. be polite. Uh, <laughs> who do you think deserved a crown for their performance in the match against the New York Red Bulls? Um, I think it's got to be Vinny Mello. You know, really, mm-hmm. he got subbed in, really changed the game, and I think he's a fantastic player. And it, it was awesome to see that. So, so he's one of those guys that uh, obviously we don't have the privilege of training with the team. <laughs> that's that's reserved for you players. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, has he looked that dominant in training as well? Because he really did come on and change it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one word to describe Vinny, I would say, is just class. You know, he's got he's got quality every time you see him play, and and you can tell. And he got subbed into the game, and he really changed it. So it was really awesome to see. I mean, the crossfield that he hits to to Kerwin for the goal is inch perfect. And I don't know, you know, that that's a hard one to hit. No matter what level you're playing yeah, at, for sure. I don't know if you could hit it any better than that. No, yeah. it's, it's exactly what we want to see. Uh, we are going to go in, and we'll sort of uh, tick through the marks a little bit quickly in this one because we want to get to talking a little bit more about you, and we also want to cover the Crown Legacy's uh, season opener, inaugural, inaugural match. Inaugural match. Kind of an important event, I guess. Like For, like, for like some people, big, yes. It's, it's definitely a big deal. <laughs> so yes. I think probably more of our time is going to be spent on the Crown Legacy today than it is on rehashing the Red Bull match. Really quickly, Justin, we do this every time. New York Red Bull score a goal. Very unfortunate uh, that it is, once again, a mistake. Yeah, we get a little bit of a self-inflicted wound here. Uh, Nathan Byrne, again, Josh mentioned this in the post, playing out of position, um, you know, doing everything he can at the, the center back job. And to be clear, did a great job the rest of the match. But has a moment where he just miscontrols, uh, you know, a pass back. It slips through. There is maybe an argument because Elias Manuel, the striker for New York Red Bulls, puts his shoulder into burn. There's an argument that maybe there's a foul there in this. This is a 50-50 that is, we're going to talk about this more later, but Manuel is playing the man first rather than the ball. Okay, so I, my position on this, I, I think, comes from my time as a player, and that was I was always taught that shoulder-to-shoulder contact is fine. And my position on this is I was personally fine with it. I mean, I do think that Nathan Byrne comes out the worst of that 50-50 contact. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is, uh, you know, you know my system of trying to flip the, the switch or flip the game. And I want Charlotte FC, I want Enzo Capetti to be able to do that. Yeah. Right. I want Enzo Capetti to legally be able to go to a defender 
and clearly shoulder to shoulder say, I'm going to muscle you off this ball. I'm going to take the space and I'm going to score. Well, so I don't know if we're going to talk about it today or if we're going to save it for another referee referendum, but uh, I think we can talk about certain areas where Enzo Capetti was not allowed to do exactly the same thing New York Red Bull players did. That is that is true. We will save that for the referee referendum. I'm going to go over to Nick. Yeah, and I will say, um, talking about Enzo and stuff like that, he's a really he brings like a, lo- a lot to the table. He's a really, really um, hardworking player, and like um, I-, I think he really affects the game in so many different ways. And you're talking about how you want to see him be able to like shoulder someone like that and and do what maybe their striker did, but Enzo can do a lot of things that maybe he can't and bring a lot of things to the table. So, well, I think- and sorry, Nick, but but to be clear, I I, I don't think that we, I think that it's absolutely in Enzo's game. To yeah. pull off that that fifty okay. fifty and everything, I think right now maybe we don't necessarily see the officials letting Enzo do that and get away with it when Manuel can do that and get away with it, and that's that's problematic because I I do think that it needs to be called fairly. I think Enzo's absolutely got the physical strength to do that for sure. Um, and that, that call could have gone either way as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. It, it, you know um, so I will ask you this then, as a player. Um, especially someone who has played in the offensive side of the pitch, mm-hmm. do you feel like the game is better if those 50-50 challenges are, yes, good, go through each other's shoulders? In terms of on the referee, if a referee sees an offensive player go through a defender, is what you're trying to say? It, if it's shoulder-to-shoulder, shoulder, mm-hmm. which I think this challenge was, uh, do you, as, and this is just your personal opinion here, do you feel like the game is better if that if the referee says, yes, let that play, or... Would you say that is is bridging the realm of of too much contact? Yeah, I mean, just in terms of soccer, um, like if the it, it just depends like what direction the ball is going in. I mean, in that in that instance, the ball was traveling back towards our goal, and the attacker was running towards it. He has more momentum, and the referee can see that, I guess, in some ways, um, and he's making a play on the ball. Um, but but I guess going through the player first. Uh, but in that instance, it's just, I think, the, the direction of the way the ball is going and the players as well going towards the goal. So, I mean, it, it's a tough, tough yeah, situation tough to be in. As with so many of the rules of football, um, it's, it's gray areas. It's, it's decisions yeah. by the referees. Um, I am going to uh, go back to you, Nick, for this question. And that is because we're going to be talking about it both in the New York Red Bulls and in the Crown Legacy uh, home opener match, how, as a player, do you prepare for a team that you know is not there to play the ball? They're there to play the man or they're there to play the referees. You know, they go down easy under the simplest contact and they're not afraid to go hard into challenges. What do you do? What do the coaches say to you to prepare for these sort of teams? In my past experience is I wouldn't necessarily say I'm totally focused on what maybe the team is trying to do. Um, the the opposing team is trying to do I'm more focused on how our team can play how we can impose our style on the game and really how we can take what they're doing and try to and try to um really push past that and put our style of play onto the game um but I mean they do have a distinct style of play so I would say in terms of that recognizing to give them recognizing maybe what they're going to do before they get the ball, maybe having those um, different ideas inside your head of what they might do and kind of reacting off of that. So, All right. Well, we are going to get to talk about the Charlotte goal. Justin, do you want to talk about, about the Charlotte slash own goal? 
Well, I mean, we, we talked about it just a ton in the post. We talked a little bit earlier when we were talking about Vinny, but yeah, Vinicius Mello comes on for his first appearance for Charlotte FC in, you know, not the preseason, which Josh has already clarified does not really exist. Um, changed the game, hit an absolutely gorgeous crossfield ball to Kerwin Vargas. You mentioned it in the post. It maybe is a little bit better that this comes off of the defender because there's, there's a question about is Capetti maybe a half a step too far forward. Um, but Kerwin does exactly what you want out of this too. He's got great control and he whips it back across into the low dangerous areas and uh, yet New York Red Bull defender turns it past his own keeper and uh, we're knotted up at one. So yeah, I I step in on this one in sort of a way that I believe if you play in your opponent's box, you get the luck of the draw, right? If you are consistently holding the ball, or even if you present threat in your opponent's box, uh, this is one of the reasons I, I am a fan of the higher press style of football, is because if you are playing in your box, the luck of the draw stuff goes against <laughs> you, and if you are playing in their box, the luck, luck of the draw stuff goes for you. And that sounds really reductive to say, but it's true, and I think the individual action of uh, Vicinius Mello and of Kerwin Vargas in this particular situation earn it. Like, I don't think anyone can say that what happened before that goal was non-threatening play. I don't think anyone can say that we got gifted it, right? We earned that through a couple of pieces of really good skill. And I say we earned that. I should probably look <laughs> over to the players and be like, oh, hey, you know, we clearly, the podcasters, earned that goal. No, uh, the players earned that goal by going out there and creating threat, creating danger. And so I am actually not nearly as, when we got off of the post-react, I was kind of like, we got a little bit of luck there. Hmm. And now I think I have tilted a little bit more to the we created our own luck there. And I am much happier with that particular thoughts uh justin yeah i mean i i absolutely agree and I, I think the most important piece about creating that that luck and i know that you know josh had some issues with some of latanzia's decisions and everything but but bringing Mello on when he did it affected the game in so many positive ways because all of a sudden we had 73 percent of the ball in the match and we couldn't move forward until the, consistently and threateningly until Mello came on. There were moments before then, but when Mello came on and really started pushing forward, we looked a lot better. And, and we had trouble, I think, through the first half of this game, in large part because we were missing Ashley Westwood in the midfield. Yeah. I think losing that presence, losing that ability to create those passes and find the spaces with Westwood's injury, you know, N Nuno and Bronico did a great job. We're going to talk a little bit more about Bronico. <laughs> in this. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately Bronico's going to be in the news. Um, um, well, Bronico's already in the news. Unfortunately, yeah. Bronico's also going to be in our news. Um, I, I, I'm going to come right out and ask it. And we're not going to direct this one at you, Nick. <laughs> um, Nuno has a lot of skill. He has a lot of talent. He is very clearly comfortable creating passes. He likes to, to use technique to beat a man and open up space. Did he do enough to to come back in and probably get this next start? I mean, I think he did. Yeah. Bender got an opportunity to step in and, and cover for Nuno when, when Nuno got subbed out. 
Um, I think it was a good thing to to give Nuno the rest. I thought Bender came in and did the same sort of thing that Nuno was doing in that space. I, I think it was the same type of linking play. I think it was the same kind of tracking back. Personally, I don't think that there is a, a, a drop-off in 90% of what you're asking that midfielder to do when it's Nuno instead of, instead of Ashley. Um, I think that there were some issues. I think Nuno's better a little bit more central or a little bit more to the left because everybody's better on the left. Everyone on this team is better than to, on the left, yes. Um, but being asked to play that sort of right inside channel was a little bit more challenging, I think, for Nuno. Um, so I, I, w- I want to see him and maybe this will become necessary, play a little bit more to the left-hand side uh, in the next match, something like that, or play a little bit more central um, just to see you know, what he's got in there. Because I think he's got a great through ball. I think he's got a great late run to the back post. Um, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that last season when he scored that goal. Um, I, I, I really rate him as a player. I want to see more of him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do think he's really good. I think he probably earns the space. I am going to go over to you, Nick, because we have the opportunity to ask a player a question that we don't get to see. Like we said, we don't get to be in practice. Mm -hmm. Obviously, very unfortunately, injuries happen. When rotation like this has to happen, when something bad happens, how much do you guys practice the, oh, no, bad stuff happened? Uh, You know, when, when you go out and practice every day, is it? 100% here's the thing we're doing, everyone in our space? Or is there some, like, hey, what if, in theory, we didn't have this person? Let's try shuffling the board up a little bit. Um, I think it's all just situational. Um, I think a lot of guys are are able to play in in different positions, and the coaches recognize that. And so a lot of guys are just ready for anything. Um, I wouldn't say it's... Um, trained every single day of like, oh, be ready for this, be ready for that. I'd say it's just focusing on the task at hand and um, kind of the manager deciding of where to put players and everyone's ready to do their job and and contribute to getting a win in, in the next game. So, And when your number is called, up you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move us really, yep. really quickly for this question because I don't think we need to hit it too hard. And that is Justin you and I have kind of made our opinions clear, <laughs> but we reference this style of play as the dark arts, right? There's a there's a level of this game where you are you are not playing the beautiful game, you are playing the fall down and roll over game. And New York Red Bull does have a, a reputation for this. Where where do you fall? Is it okay? I mean, no. And and the biggest reason why is not even necessarily the integrity of the game, although I love the integrity of the game, and I do want to see it played a better way, a more entertaining way. But, like, that's the piece is the more entertaining way. There are too many Americans right now who that's what they view as soccer when they say, I don't like soccer because this is the stuff that happens. The way New York Red Bull play is – the stuff that happens. I'm going to dive. I'm going to flop over at the, the slightest touch. And when it's my opportunity, I'm going to go through player. I'm, I'm going to play dirty. And, and I can't stand it because it's dangerous and because it drives fans away from a game that I know 90% of the time is played a much more attractive and a much better way. 
Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more towards the, and we're talking about like small amounts of a little bit more towards the it's okay side. Um, I do think you have to, once you're at the top level of anything, you have to get any competitive edge you can get because that's 1% is often the difference. I don't think it should ever come at the health of players. I don't think there should ever be a, a mentality of let's go in and take this guy's ankles out, which I'm not saying New York Red Bulls had. But I'm also not saying they were friendly in challenges, right? Uh, there was clearly a mentality of, uh, if we happen to take ankles, we happen to take ankles kind of thought. And I I'm really not a big fan of that. I do think it's a good point that it's not the image the MLS probably wants if they want to continue to grow. Uh, let's uh, are just Well, we had another team in, in town this weekend that has a little bit of the dark arts to them. I think we ended up with eight yellow cards between the two teams in the match. There were some very tough tackles, but we had the inaugural match for Crown Legacy FC. Mm -hmm. We played Huntsville City. Um, it was down at Matthew Sportsplex, which is where all of the Crown Legacy matches here in town are going to be. It's a great facility. Uh, if you went a few years ago before the, the Charlotte Independents moved to um, uh, Memorial Stadium, uh, that's where they were playing. It's it's such a great place to go spend you know, a Sunday afternoon and everything. And uh, Nick, you got an opportunity to start this match. Um, you got an opportunity to go all 90 minutes uh, and you got an opportunity to score a goal. Yeah. Uh, it's It's got to be pretty exciting. It's, this is your first start here. Uh, this is your first match here, you know, professionally uh, with the Charlotte FC organization. Mm -hmm. um, and and it was an exciting goal. Yeah, um, for sure. And an exciting game at that. Like the whole game was really exciting and, and fun to play with. Awesome atmosphere. Um, you know, it, it, it has been a, like a long preseason, I would say. I'm used to the the two-week college preseason <laughs> right right before. So the, the two-month lead up to this this uh, first first game here for us was was really cool to see all the fans show out at uh, the Sportsplex. And it was just an awesome, awesome atmosphere. And it was it was great to end up getting a point out of the game for sure, but I also feel like we deserve more out of the game as well. We are creating chances, so yeah, I think all the guys are looking forward to Friday to to get a win for sure. Yeah. So, so for you, there is something that the rest of us normal people who don't get to be out there on the field talk about, and that is the the getting the monkey off your back and getting your first goal, mm -hmm. right? For you, does that make a big difference, especially for it to be one that comes? you know, almost at the end of time, the end of, of time itself, um, at the end of game time, does it make a big difference to put one in the back of the net, already have a big moment, that's done, now you can settle down, or mm -hmm. is this just another day at the office? I mean, I would say I wasn't expecting to score a goal, I would say, that game. Usually um, in college I would play on the wing um, or more higher up the field, but um, recently I've been playing right back and I, I've loved it and loved learning new things about it and different ways to play the game. And I wasn't necessarily expecting to like get my first goal or even score this game, but I'm glad I had the opportunity and it was, the ball kind of just fell nicely for me after pushing up higher on the field. And it was just muscle memory at that point, I would say. So uh, I will say with the way that you left those defenders and that keeper behind you while you were <laughs> taking that shot, it certainly looked like you intended to score a goal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but going into the game, you know, I, I was I was focused on, you know, keeping a clean sheet and kind of providing for the players in front of me. So for you, I mean, I realize it's always a team game, right? You're mm -hmm. not the only person out there. But for you, what's it like transitioning from A, college ball into the professional league 
and B, you know, like you said, you started up as a higher attacker, mm-hmm. and now you're moving sort of down to that right back spot. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little about first what it's like to to make the transition? Like, do you just sign a piece of paper and then someone calls you two weeks later and they're like, "Yep, congratulations, you play for Charlotte FC now." No, so the the tr- transition was actually really cool. Um, I still had a year of eligibility left to return back to college. Um, I had a year of eligibility to play, and I had also hadn't finished um, my studies at college yet too, so I was kind of weighing that decision of whether or not I wanted to enter into the draft or um, you know, go back to college, finish school, play another year of, uh, of college soccer. But ultimately, after the draft and talking with um, people over in the organization, um, I think this was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and decided to make the transition from college to pro. And I've loved it so far. It's been an awesome transition. Um, Meeting most of the guys out here, it's been so cool. They've been so welcoming. Everyone everyone in the city has been so welcoming. And I think it's just been an awesome experience so far. And just can't wait for the rest of the year and playing more games and stuff like that. So. Uh, you haven't experienced Charlotte in July. I don't know if that'll be as <laughs> yeah, welcome. I've, I've heard about it. I've heard about it. But. What, what, Charlotte in July is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, coming, he's coming, coming from the Pacific Northwest yeah, and coming, coming from, into... Charlotte, Charlotte in July is fine. You'll yeah. be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, no, so as far as coming from that sort of attacking role mm-hmm. and moving into that defensive role, you know, what were you or what is sort of your plan? What were you told? Did they say, hey... We really want you to, to learn to master the defensive side of your game. They say, hey, we see you as creating threat from deeper in the field. Mm-hmm. What was sort of the thought process? Yeah, so early on in my career, um, in my academy days, my coaches had always played me out of position uh, to try to get me used to, you know, learning different things about the game and different being in different spots to to help the teammates, to help my teammates and um I think that really helped me uh, moving into the college game because I was able to play in so many different positions. And it was clear that you could see that um, just in the way that I attacked and maybe press defenders or uh, tracking back and, and helping back on defense. Like it was, it, I would say it was easy to see there were other ways I could affect the game instead of just 1v1 attacking in the final third. And so I think that transitioned pretty well to me moving to the back line. Um, and I, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, just learning new things about the game is always fun. And playing right back, I had, I had always knew I, would, I was going to have to revisit the position just because it's, it's um, kind of where my game was headed. I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but I, I could just feel it. So um, I think it's just super exciting to play right back, and I, I've enjoyed it so far, yeah. I, I mean, I, I will say I was watching some video of you on Scout earlier, and uh, there's there's a moment, I think it was against the Ducks in 2021, um, but you've got a pass playing up from this. It's the same position, and it's the same pass that Jalen Lindsay hits for Charlotte that we absolutely love playing – you know, inside the opposing left back, uh, uh, but but outside the left center back, splitting that in the inside channel and letting the right winger run onto it. And you know, I saw that and uh, that that pass right there, the position you were in, uh, you know, receiving from the center back and everything. That was that's exactly what Charlotte FC looks for out of a right back. And so I was very excited to see that one. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different situations that I've, I've found myself in and just like finding that pass, as you said, like it, it fits perfectly into the system and mm-hmm. yeah, just always looking for things like that. So a- as a player, obviously at Charlotte FC, you have Jalen Lindsay and you have Nathan Byrne, both kind of occupying that right back position. How much of your position is I'm here to tear that shirt off of their back <laughs> and how much of your position is... I'm here to learn from these guys everything I can and then tear the shirt off their back. No, I don't, I don't think it's ever tearing the shirt off someone's back. Um, I think it's always just it's putting in honest, true, hard work into, into what you're trying to do, and, and good things will come from, come from it. Um, just staying focused, um, learning every single day, the, those things are truly important, and you can't skip steps to get to the next level. And so that's kind of been my focus coming in here, learning as much as I can. And um, if things work out, they work out. And that's the way it'll be because I know I've put in the honest, true work to get there. So So a couple more questions for you. The first of which is we asked you for your first card. Crown. We have not asked you. Oh, yeah, first crown. Thank you, Justin. (laughs) Uh, Now we're going to ask you for the hard stuff. No. Uh, We've asked you for your first crown. Would you be so kind as to give us a crown for somebody on the legacy who you felt deserves to be called out for their performance? Yeah, I think a lot of guys uh, in that game played really well, but I enjoyed playing with uh, Chris Hagart, and I thought he had a really good game. Um, just the way he was able to control the midfield, it was super helpful in us trying to um, play the way we wanted to play, and I, I thought he had a really good game. So players like Chris Haggard are often really good at relieving pressure. Do you feel like the difference of how connected a team is really shows between college and MLS Next? Um, for sure. I mean, sometimes in college, it's a lot of kick, kick and run, like high press type things. Put it in the other other uh, other team's corner and kind of press from there. Um, and so I would say the transition uh, to MLS Next Pro in the game that we just played, it's a little bit more tactical. Guys are in different spots than maybe um, you would see them in college. You're trying to play more. You're trying to move the ball from side to side, build, build through the middle, get it wide, go 1v1 at players, get crosses in. So I, I think there's a difference there for sure. All right. There are a couple of rule differences in MLS Next Pro that are a little odd, too. <laughs> sure. Um you know, the the requirement to be off the field after medical treatment for, for a period of time, kind of putting your team down. I love the idea of it because it does try and avoid that time wasting and, and you know, flopping around. and, and uh, But it is different. Uh, the other one that's different is this is a little bit more hockey-like, but uh, you don't have a traditional draw in MLS Next Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are tied at the end of regulation, each team gets a point and then you go to a shootout and the winner of the shootout gets an additional point. Mm-hmm. How weird is that for you? How good is that for you developmentally? It's, it is putting players in more situations um, that are high stress or high pressure. Um, mm-hmm. That can be good developmentally, uh, but it is very different than any other league <laughs> that I'm, I'm really familiar with. So Yeah, for, it's definitely different. Um... I'd say it's a really cool opportunity to do to do something new. You know, I've I've never played in a league like this in my life where you go to a penalty shootout <laughs> after a draw. I mean, it's always good to get a point um, out of a game at least if if you're drawing. But I mean, the opportunity to get two points out of a game out of a regular draw is is um, a really cool opportunity, and it puts a lot of 
guys in, in uh, cool situations, I would say, to step up and take a PK in front of that many fans mm-hmm. um, and show their confidence and everything like that. So I think it's a really cool opportunity. So final question for me, and then I think we should go to the lightning round. Yeah. And that is most people think about PKs and they think about the people taking them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there have been a lot of incredible PKs out there in, in the world. And I think it's, I personally think it's probably going to be good that we, we teach people how to take them and give them game experience. But how do you think goalkeepers are going to respond to this? Because to be polite, PKs are hard to save, mm. right? Uh, goalkeepers are going to be more regularly facing this challenge of uh, how do I, how do I, I be the person who is, on the 40 side of the 60 40, mm-hmm. right? How do you feel like they're going to respond? Um, I don't really know. Um, I mean, there is potential for there to be a lot of PK shootouts throughout the year. Um, so it could be easier to watch film and see where guys are shooting before a game and kind of have that in the back of your head for a keeper. Um, so that could help. But also, like you said, it is hard to save PKs. Um, so I'd say it, it all comes down to maybe just looking at past film to see where maybe guys have been before, just trusting your instinct and knowing that you're a keeper that can save PKs consistently. All right, Justin, you want to take it to the lightning round? Yeah, lightning round. If you guys have heard our player interviews before, this is um, absolutely uh, silly, easy questions. But uh, <clears throat> just your, your first thought that comes to mind, better football league, Premier League or La Liga? Premier League. Um, better video game system, PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox. Better vacation destination, beach or mountains? Beach. Uh, better dessert food, cake or pie? Cake. Better animal, dog or cat? Cat. Uh, better way to communicate, phone call or text? Text. Worst chore to do, laundry or dishes? Laundry. Better entertainment genre, horror or comedy? Comedy. Better to be in the car as the passenger or the driver? Driver. And better food, pizza, or wings? Wings. Yes! Wings, for sure. <laughs> we have like we're, a... We're three for three yeah. on wings. Uh, that's because so. buffalo wings are objectively better. Thank yes. you for being correct. I don't know about buffalo wings, but <laughs> I'd, go to, I'd go to wings. Okay. Uh, first off, or first and foremost, Nick Scardina, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you for, you know, we know you guys are out there training every day, so thanks for coming down here and uh, speaking to us and also the fans. So. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. And uh, you guys can most likely see Nick uh, this Friday night at Matthew Sportsplex as Crown Legacy FC take on uh, FC Cincinnati 2. Yeah, where he will score four goals in <laughs> one game. And he's committed now. Yes. There we go. Yeah, very unfortunate for you, man. You have no <laughs> options now uh, as a defender. Yep. So uh, on that probably true note, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and then we will come back and talk to you about what might be coming next for Charlotte FC. Do you love podcasts? You're listening to one right now, so we're going to say you do. You know what makes podcast listening better? A really great set of earbuds nestled snugly into your appropriate head holes. You could win a really great set of earbuds courtesy of the Queen City Podcast Network. A set of Bose noise-canceling quiet comfort earbuds, a $200 value, could be all yours. And all you have to do is sign up to receive the Queen City Podcast Network email newsletter at queencitypodcastnetwork.com between now and April 16th, 2023. You heard me. Sign up to receive a twice-weekly email about all the latest Queen City Podcast Network releases. 
and you're entered in a drawing where you could win the earbuds of a lifetime. The rules are published at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. That's also where you sign up for the drawing. queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Your ticket to great listening with a great set of earbuds. And we are back. We've done it. So we talked in the last one about the fact that when we have these breaks, sometimes we just go immediately back into talking. And we actually got to have a break this time. Yeah, we we had other things to do. One of the most important other things to do was to bring in Josh. Yep. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. So as ever, we have brought you here for one very specific purpose. And that is we need to know how we are going to win our next Charlotte FC game. Please tell us. Sure. Um, well, I think it starts with the fact that Charlotte are actually getting a little bit of good luck with this game because, uh, Toronto will be missing Lorenzo Insigne. Um, any listeners that were around last year will know about me gushing over Lorenzo Insigne because I think he's one of the most talented players that we have in this league. Um, and he is fortunately for us and unfortunately for them out, uh, at least a few more games, I believe. Um, with an injury. That doesn't mean that they're bereft of talent. They still have his Italian compatriot, uh, Francesco Bertadeschi. Um, They still have old U.S. men's national team member, Michael Bradley. Um, They have Asario, who is someone I was dreaming of for Charlotte to get, which I knew was never going to happen. The team has talent, but Lorenzo Insigne is probably one of the top five players in this league, so... Um, I'm counting that as a as a good thing for us. So, Justin, really quick, should we talk Bronico because of how it will affect this? Well, I mean, you know, to give a preview for the the things to watch for, I, I think maybe because you mentioned former U.S. men's national team player Michael Bradley, and for some reason he absolutely killed us last year. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we are, we've already been kind of weak in that area this season. And all of a sudden we're weaker because Brant Bronico has been suspended for one match for violent conduct for the tackle in the New York Red Bull game, which we were just talking before we went live. We're kind of lucky. Had he gotten the red card that he most likely deserved, that would have been a three-match ban. So we're kind of lucky it's only one. Yeah. But we're now weaker in an area that we have been hurt before this season and in last season against this team. Yep. And I I think it's especially true because you have to imagine that Harrison awful is going to be our left back again. Um, Before this Bronico news, I was already worried about our left side because Bernadeschi plays on the right. And so you have a pacey tricky winger going against a 37 year old left back in the back of my mind, you sit there and you say, well, you have Brent Bronico who has an engine and can run up and down the field and help provide cover. Well, we don't have Brent Bronico that's going to be able to do that. Um, so to be honest with you, that is where I think my big worry. It's not so much Michael Bradley because he did have two very good games against us, but he's 35. His big role in that team right now is to to get the ball, retain the ball, pass the ball to the dangerous players. My big fear right now is that that right side of Toronto with Bernadeschi and their their right back, uh, Lorea, I think it's how you pronounce his name. I'm not positive. Um, he also likes to get up the field. So it's an area that we've seen exploited by other teams. I think Atlanta is a good example of, of our left side just being destroyed. And I have a little bit of fear of that going into this game as well. 
So uh, a question from me going in is the mm-hmm. same question I almost always ask. And that is, how are we getting the goals? Where do you see us being able to overwhelm them? So I, I think Toronto is actually interesting in the sense that they were terrible defensively last year. They were second worst in the East. They gave up 66 goals last year. And they went out and they replaced three of their four backline players. And they got a new goalkeeper. The hope, I think, and I think we've seen it a little bit so far this year, is that that back line and that goalkeeper communication is still not 100%. I will say they have had two shutouts the past two games, so that kind of flies in the face of what I'm hoping for. Um, But I think that that is still very much a a possibility. It's only been um, five games. There are a lot of new pieces with that team and in that back line, and I think that you could exploit it that way. I also think that what works in our favor is Toronto doesn't necessarily demand the ball like in Atlanta or anything. Um, They are only at like 47% possession on the year, which is near the bottom of the league. Uh, Charlotte, as we've talked about a lot, they like to have the ball. We've outpossessed four out of our five opponents. Um, So I think that is an area where hopefully we could get the ball and maybe if we could be a little bit more daring in our passing, I would like to see... Carol Swiderski come back into the side through the middle um, to to be that person to play off of Enzo Capetti um, and, and see if we can't get some good runs in behind that back line. I mean, I think we have something we do have to talk about here, and that is with the now knowledge that Brant Bronico is not going to be in. Is this the easy slot right back in for uh, Carol Swiderski? I mean, I think assuming he's ready to go after an international break and, and international travel that is associated with it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, it gives you the excuse to say, we've got space in the midfield for him to come back in. We've got opportunity right wingers that did well in the last match. Also, maybe he has the jet lag superpower. Who knows? Maybe when he's jet lagged, he's well, I mean, uh, who is it for, for, I think LA Bonega came back landed an hour before the match kicked off and came in and scored a late winner. Yeah. So maybe oh, it is so it's thing. guaranteed for Swiderski to do that. Got it. Yep. Sure. We Justin have first. <laughs> uh, now I will say though, Josh, that you talked about, we have outpossessed our opponent in four of it off, out of our five games so far in those four games, we have one point. So oh, yeah. oh, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that we've had a ton of success. I'm just saying that that is the way Latanzio wants to play. Sure. And yeah. Toronto seem to be a team where they'll allow us to do that. Whether that turns into anything meaningful, I can't say. Because you're right. The one game that we won is the one game that we were outpossessed by our opponents. So, listener, take that as you will. So, good, good news here. Enzo Capetti and potentially Carol Swiderski are going to be running at a, a just shambolic defense. Um, who has who has never played together and doesn't know how to communicate? This is all definitely true. Uh, please yep. please remember yep. to quote Josh for this. Yep. <laughs> On the wings, what is it? What does it look like? Because clearly we have the better of the attacking central position. Uh, the wings for um, Toronto are are interesting. I think in that. You have a guy, you have Bernard Deshi, who we've talked about, but then you also have uh, Jonathan Asario, who is kind of a midfielder turned wide um, player. He, I, I would consider him a wide player, but I would consider him more a wide midfielder than a wide, um, like a winger. With that said, he did have nine goals last year, so he's a guy who can score. Um, 
he's just not as I don't think pacey and, and tricky as a traditional winger might be. Any final questions from you, Justin? Well, I just want to, you know, yes, Toronto kept six or led in sixty six goals last year. None of those were to Charlotte FC in two matches. Very rude. And well, all uh, all that to say, you know, uh, we were the aberration last year in that we didn't manage to score against an incredibly porous defense, and now against a defense that is gelling and becoming better. We're going to be the offense that scores four. Yeah, I'm 100% down with this. This sounds great to me. We'll just go uh, across the front. It's going to be uh, Vargas, Copetti, Mello, and Swiderski each getting one, that that attacking diamond. Yep, I'm, mm. I'm happy to see that. I'm going to move us along, and Justin, it is your turn this week to tell us what you are going to be looking out for in this match. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned uh, before, you know, obviously the issue with, with Bradley – uh, like Elias Manuel for New York Red Bull, there are just some players that we seem to turn good. And Michael Bradley was one of those last year. Um, so I am concerned about our ability to stop him. The other thing that I think has to be a concern is, can we find a way to stop shooting ourselves in the foot and gifting goals to the opposing team, but be it own goals, be it poor back passes, be it missed controls, we've got to stop giving easy chances to the other team. And, you know, this, this seems like a good match to try and do that, please. Yep. Can we, can we keep our back line secure? Uh, I think we probably start to move into the news, Justin. Yeah. Um, Swiderski, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, Swiderski, um, we're, we're, uh, trying to do a little bit better on the pronunciation. Josh has put together a great pronunciation guide for us here. Uh, but he did manage a goal for Poland. Uh, it was the game-winning and only goal scored in that Euro qualifier match. Um, great to see that for him. We would love to see him bring those scoring boots back over here to Charlotte. Um, I think that Bill Toyloma is back in practice, but we have not necessarily heard if he is going to be good to go for this weekend. Um, the... Uh, oh, we do want to note not current player or anything like that, but Quinn McNeil uh, did post to his Instagram that he recently had hip surgery. So uh, we wish our former Charlotte FC compatriot uh, all the best during his recovery there. Hope everything goes well and smoothly for him and he latches back on with another team. Um, the next two Charlotte FC matches, it looks like, are going to be free broadcast on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. It's a little unclear on if you can just see that, even if you don't have Apple TV+. Plus. If you don't, and you haven't done this yet, though, sign up for a free Apple TV Plus trial, and you don't necessarily need the MLS package for this weekend's match against Toronto, uh, if you want to go ahead and check that one out. Um, and then uh, if you are jonesing real bad for some football, we mentioned this earlier while Nick was in the studio, but Crown Legacy FC is hosting another home match. It's Friday night. I think it's a 7.30 kickoff. We're playing FC Cincinnati too. Um, it's another opportunity to go check out Matthew's Sportsplex. Tickets are only like $15. It's a great way. If you want to take the family out, you'll probably get a chance to see some first-team players. That first Crown Legacy match, Chris Heggert played, Ben Bender played, Jan Sobachinski played. Um, you know, you're going to see some guys that you will see play for the main squad. You'll also get a chance to see our draft picks as um, Patrick Aguimang, um, Hamidi Diop, and 
uh, Nick Scardina all got opportunities to, to play there. And uh, Brian Romero played. Um, Nimfasha Beshimas uh, played. Uh, our newest homegrown signing, Jack Neely, uh, also played. So there's, there's a lot of young, exciting talent for in the Charlotte FC organization. Uh, that's going to be playing for those Crown Legacy uh, matches. If you have an opportunity to make it out, uh, we've got another home match this Friday night. We have one more piece of announcements, uh, and then we are going to start to let you go. And that is, we talked to you a little bit about the fact that we have uh, started working with Tiny Mile. We have a little cool delivery robot that you can find in Uptown, and we are going to challenge you to find it. We are going to call it Spot the Bot. And we have stuff to give away. We're going to have tickets. We're going to have two tickets to give away to a couple of the Charlotte FC matches. And we're also going to be giving away some tickets to these Crown Legacy matches. So if you want to bring your family, we're going to be trying to give away four of those. So uh, follow us on social media. Follow us uh, on Instagram, Facebook. You can find more details there. But you are going to want to take a picture of that bot if you find it and hashtag spot the bot and you might be able to uh, get your hands on some cool stuff including some tickets uh on that note thank you all for spending your time with us if you have decided to join us for this one we love you and we will talk to you again after we go take our next three points from toronto queen city podcast network.com.